Thank you so much for joining us today. It's always such a privilege to be invited in your homes. And I trust God that will speak to you through this time as he's spoken to me in my preparation. Today I'd like to speak in my little sermon in practicing the art of being present with God, where we hear the whispers of God that Elijah heard in the midst of the storms and the trials. In 1 Kings 19, verse 11 to 12, the voice Moses heard when God would speak to him face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Being a friend of God must be one of the most incredible privileges that there can ever be. And you know what? Because of Jesus, you and I are friends of God. The voice Philip heard when God directed him to the Ethiopian in the midst of a great revival in Acts 18.26 and spread the gospel to Africa. The voice that Paul heard while facing tremendous trials in Corinth, under tremendous pressure. And while praying to God, God assures him not to be afraid, but to keep on preaching in the midst of these trials and opposition, because God was with him. Acts 18.10 Where we learn the art of listening to the gentle voice of the Holy Spirit and begin to know and tap into the ways of God the highways of God spoken of in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As high as the heavens are from the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. You see, church, it's in the presence of God where we humble ourselves and call on God, where we seek His face, and not simply His hand, where we tap into the divine wisdom of, and ways of God, and we begin to enter into His rest regardless of our circumstance. As we respond to the invitation that Jesus gave us in Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, where He invites us to come unto Me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Give those burdens to him today. Give those fears. Come and enter into his rest, even as I speak today and we worship today. This is not a long sermon because I want to make time for you with the time left, even after the worship time, to spend time with your family in prayer and in the presence of God. You see, it's in this presence where we begin to unblock the wellsprings of our heart and begin to draw from the wells of salvation spoken of in Isaiah chapter 12. And we begin to tap into the supernatural resources of God. Solomon in his writing to his son speaks of the wellspring of life. And in Proverbs 4, 20 to 23, he writes this, My son, pay attention to what I say. 
Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight, but keep them within your heart. For they life to those who find them and health to a whole man's body. And above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. We see in Genesis 26 that Isaac, like his father, was also a well digger. The chapter starts with a major famine in the land. And Isaac inquires of God as to whether he should go to Egypt or stay in the land of famine. And God responds to Isaac, and instead of leaving the land of interest, the land of plenty, plenty, he trusts and obeys God. Not only to stay in the land of famine, but also to plant in the land of famine. And because of his obedience, God blesses him and he reaps a hundredfold. An amazing story of faith. Faith not in his natural ability or circumstance, but faith in God. And as a result of his success, opposition comes. We mustn't be afraid of that, for God is with us. The Philistines envy him and begin to quarrel over his lands and his wells. And instead of fighting them, he simply moves away, knowing that God is his source and supply and not man. We pick up in the story in Genesis 26, verse 17 to 22. Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gohar, where he settled. And he reopened the wells that had been dug by in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. And he gave them the same names his father had given them. Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water. But the herders of Gohad quarreled with those of Isaac and said, The water is ours. So Isaac named the well Isaac, which means contention, because they disputed with him. His servants then dug another well, and they also quarreled over that one. So Isaac named it Sitna, which means strife and separation. And he then moved on from there and dug another well, and no one quarreled over it. And he named it Rehoboth, which means wide and open space. So now the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in the land. Church, that's where God wants us to live, in Rehoboth in a wide and open space, regardless of our circumstance, understanding that God is our source and God is our supply. Can we believe, as David did in Psalm 16, verse 5 to 6, But you, O Lord, alone are my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure, regardless of my circumstance. The brown green lies for me have fallen in pleasant places, and surely I have a delightful inheritance. Church, no matter what happens in this life, no matter what happens, we have an eternal security. Our names are written 
in the Lamb's book of life. And no matter what happens, the side of eternity, we win. What an amazing comfort that is, that can be for all of us. Church, let us unblock the wellsprings of our heart by dealing with the issues that dry up our wells, the same things, the same issues that Isaac faced, strife, contention, unforgiveness, compromise, and dealt with sin. These are the things that slowly but surely dry up our well, one rock at a time. And when our well drives, we lose our passion for God and slowly but surely become lukewarm and complacent. And complacency blames others for our circumstance and our spiritual lack of further. It says it doesn't matter what we do. God doesn't really care. He will bless us anyway. And it always seems to be someone else's fault when things go wrong in our lives. And Jesus speaks into this in the book of Revelation. We see that in Revelation chapter 2 with the church of Ephesus that did everything so well. We're just going through the motions and have forsaken the first love. And all Jesus asks him to do is repent and do the things that they did at first. You see, church, the reality is this, that nothing great will ever be accomplished or sustained in God without a passion and a continued first love relationship. See, God not only cares about what we do, but He cares how we do it. And we see this in 2 Chronicles, chapters 25 and 31, in the life of two kings. 2 Chronicles 25, 2 tells us, speaking of Amaziah, says this, Amaziah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but did not do it wholeheartedly. His heart was simply not in it, and he was simply going through the motions. And God saw that. But then in 2 Chronicles 31, verse 21, we see another king named Hezekiah. And the Bible says that he sought his God, and he worked wholeheartedly, and so he prospered. What a contrast! In the two. Both did the same job, but both had a different heart. In Psalm 84, verse 5 and 6, this is what the psalmist writes Blessed are those whose strength is in you and who have set their hearts on a pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, which is a dry and rocky place, also known as the Valley of Tears, they make it a place of springs. The water rain also covers it with pools, and they go from strength to strength as each one appears before God in Zion. So how do we def uh, transform a dry desert into a place of springs? Spiritually, how do we do that? 
we do so by unblocking the wellspring of our life within us. And we do this by spending time in His presence, in worship, prayer, meditation on His Word. And as we do so, we begin to tap into the supernatural resources of God and unblocks the wells of salvation within us. You see, the significance of a well, either physical or spiritual, is that a well is an access to a much larger source that otherwise would never have been discovered if it had not been dug. A well is not subject to natural surroundings or circumstance. And it is possible, and this is the scary thing, to die of thirst in the desert on top of an unlimited supply of water. And every time we dig a spiritual well church, we open a portal and unlock the unlimited supernatural resources of heaven. Church, can I encourage you to make time for God in daily in, these busy, in your busy lives? He longs to meet with us. And the more we do that, the more refreshed we are, the more encouraged we are, the more at peace we are, the more full of joy we are. In His presence, there's fullness of joy. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. You see, church, God is always knocking at the door of our hearts. The question is, will we let Him in? God is also always talking. And another question is, are we giving time to listen to Him, not only speak to Him? God is no less present in our workplace or our homes or in a church building or even in our homes. Because He lives within us. We are living stones that are being built into a spiritual house in which God lives by His Spirit. We are the church of the living God. We are the very temple of the Holy Spirit. It is Christ in us that is the hope of glory. Christ in us is actually our hope of glory. Can we for this moment still our hearts and spend time in His presence? Can we begin to redig those wells and allow the Holy Spirit to minister us in a powerful way? In closing today, I would like to read Psalm 46, a psalm of David, a psalm that David wrote during one of his trials. And this is what he writes. God is our strength and our refuge an ever-present help in time of trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God, the holy place where the Most High lives. God is within her, and she will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts His voice, and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. 
The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. And then he says this, in the midst of this this turmoil, be still and know that I am God. For I will be exalted amongst the nations and I will be exalted in all the earth. Church, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Can we bow our heads for a moment? Father God, we thank you for your love, mercy, and your grace, Lord. We thank you for your presence, Lord God. You're our fortress and our strength, Lord God. You're the protector of our souls, Lord God. You love us so much. And Jesus, you promised that you would never leave us or forsake us, but be with us to the very end of the age. And even now, Lord God, I pray that you begin to pour out your Spirit upon us. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come. Ask of those things that are hindering the flow of the Spirit of God within us, Lord God, that we will deal with those, Lord God. Repentance is a good thing. It's a time when we turn away from what we're doing and we turn back to you. Lord, we know how you loved the prodigal. And when he came back, you never judged him. But you put on a robe of righteousness, a ring of sunshine, and you brought him back home. Lord, I pray for our ones that are struggling, Lord, even now, that you fill them with joy, that they will come drink today from the wells of salvation. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Church, let us worship God.